Good morning and welcome to an outdoor edition of Five Alive. We are going to be reading from John chapter 9, verse 24 through 34. And before we do, I just kind of want to recap what's happened so far. In the book of John chapter 9, we have a blind man who comes into contact with Jesus. As he comes into contact with Jesus, Jesus heals the man by spitting in the ground, making mud, putting on the man's eyes. He goes and washes in the pool of Siloam comes back healed, does not know who heals him, goes to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and they question him. As a part of their questioning, he is left out of the interrogation room for a little while while they then interrogate the man's parents. Knowing that they could be kicked out of the synagogue, the parents then say, this is a full-grown man, he can give an account for himself. And so there we are, left up with this blind man who is now going to give an account of what Jesus has done to heal him and reveal himself to the blind man as his Savior. And I just kind of want to bring a little other preface to this, and that is, um, think about this in regards of you're being called to the principal's office at school, and your best friend has outed you as doing something wrong, or your parents are upset. And so they talked to your sister or your brother and they blamed you for something or your boss needs clarification about some kind of a problem in the office. And it's because the coworker you talk with the most has again made a complaint against you or the police are questioning you about a crime. And it's because your parents said, why don't you talk to my child about this crime? That's the kind of pressure that this blind man is under in this moment of being re-questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, yes. Is it really a crime? No, there's not really a crime going on here, but yet it's being treated kind of like a crime. I mean, you imagine being interrogated by somebody because you were healed of blindness of which you were born from birth, that people are asking you intense questions, and they keep asking you the same questions over and over and over again. Wouldn't you kind of feel like a criminal? I'd be confused. You'd be confused? Sure. And so that's what's going on here. And so if we'll open our Bibles to John chapter 9, we're going to read verses 24 through 34. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, and he does his will, God listens to him. Never... Since the world began, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, in which you teach us? And they cast him out. So what we have here, and I just kind of want to go through a couple of points of what we're noticing uh, within the dialogue or the interrogation between the religious leaders and the blind man is we have um, what, what I would like to refer to as spin taking place. Uh, in the, and, and so point number one is the spin doctors are at work 
Spin, defined by Webster's Dictionary, is a special point of view, emphasis, or interpretation presented for the purpose of influencing another's opinion. So what we have happening here is the religious leaders call the blind man back in and they say, don't be an accomplice of this man, Jesus, who is a sinner. This isn't your fault. So don't associate yourself with him. And let's give glory to God because Jesus is obviously a sinner. Another way of saying this would be the inconvenience that you are experiencing today on your first day of being able to see in your whole entire life. You were born blind and you have never seen my face. You have never seen my beard. You have never seen my eye color. And I know you're having an absolutely amazing time of seeing all these things. But the reason we're inconveniencing you, it's not your fault. It's the evil sinner Jesus's fault. And so they're trying to place blame on Jesus. So I have a couple of questions. Have you ever experienced someone twisting the truth to benefit themselves? Okay, so we have yeses all around. Have you ever seen the lie being told uh, become so convincing that other people that I witnessed the account change their minds and their perspectives and they start going with what the louder person says? This is what happened. And they no longer say, that's not what happened. They start saying, oh, yeah, you know, that guy's right. Have you ever seen people get convinced of something that's not true? Mm. Yes. Have you ever been tempted to get yourself out of trouble by changing pieces of an event or something that happened in your life to fit your truth and get other people to like you? Have you ever tried to convince them, oh, I'm not really like that. This is how I am. And then try and start emphasizing your good qualities over your bad qualities so that that way they'll like you more? I've, I've tried not to do that. I mean, I, I think I have at times done something like this. I mean, because we like to be accepted by people, right? Well, yeah. And so when somebody wants to invite <laughs> us into their club, they try and get us to be like them. Mm-hmm. And they start pointing things out that are, hey, we're just alike in this area. Hey, we're just alike yeah. in this area. And some of it may not be true. But they're exaggerating the fact that they think that you're exactly like them so that that way you'll be better friends. Have you ever experienced that? I I know people have like assumed that I'm vegan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so they think, oh, well, we like you. We can accept you because you're vegan. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I do eat chicken. And they're like, it's okay. I eat chicken once a month too. So you're still (laughs) vegan. And I was like, or a vegetarian and I'm like no 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 I'm not a vegetarian no I do like I do like to eat meat there's that and then like if there's something like say maybe it's a um a commonality of maybe let's say music for instance yeah um you know do you like this type of artist sure yeah I like that type of artist and then in your mindset you're like no I really don't like that artist at all why in the world did I just say yes I like that music singer and I really don't so yeah, to feel to include in. Yeah, but to be included. I've done that before, but I'm like, yeah, I totally like the artist. And in my head, I'm thinking, I have no idea who that is. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But you want to be included with the yes. conversation right. of what the person's yeah. talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's the kind of tactic that they're playing here. The Pharisees have been trying to get Jesus. Uh, in trouble, or they've been trying to lure the people away from him, trying to regain popularity, trying to regain their power, so that that way they can maintain control of a situation that they feel is quickly getting out of hand as people are, more and more people are following after Jesus. And again, this is kind of a play or a reference back to the times that we've talked about this before. Jesus had more than just 12 disciples. 
And I know if you go to church, if you hear a lot of religious people talking, specifically Christians, they always like to focus on the 12 disciples. Um, yet there were more people than just these 12 disciples. When Jesus died on the cross, when he was resurrected, he appeared to more than 500 people. And so when we can continue to remember those kinds of things, that Jesus was important in a lot of people's lives beyond just the 12, Lazarus is somebody that he was very important as like Mary or Martha. These were women that Jesus was very important in their lives. He's very important in the lives of so many people. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the Sadducees see this, and they're afraid that they're losing their power. And so in order to regain it, they're trying to convince a blind man to go back into what he has witnessed, uh, a healing that has transpired, something that has taken place in his life. And they are trying to get him to make a false charge or a false accusation against Jesus. This is called spin or being a spin doctor. We see it happen a lot in politics today. We see it happen a lot within friendships today. We see one friend trying to spin a scenario out of the way so that that way they maintain the control of being the best friend of you or, or somebody else because they want to make sure that everybody likes them over you uh, or everybody likes you over them. Any of those scenarios play true today. And so what we see the blind man do is exactly what we need to be doing in our lives, and that is to refuse to play this game. The blind man refuses to join their politics. He removes himself from a, a high position that the religious leaders are trying to place him on. And he says, hey, I'm no expert. That's you guys. You guys are the experts. And if you think Jesus is a sinner, that's your thing. But I don't think he could be a sinner because he healed me. I just want to ask you to think about a time people you perceived as important wanted you to change who you are to be a part of their club. Did you overwhelmingly need to have a feeling of acceptance and so therefore you gave up your convictions? Or like the blind man, did you recognize the quote-unquote spin that was going on and go over the truth with your convictions and honesty? Definitely when I was younger, for sure. I think at the time when I was 14 and I gave in to the peer pressure of my friends. I've always been very, trying to be very careful in, in my language, language meaning um, just unnecessary words that don't really need to come out of my mouth. Uh, to me, I think it makes one look like a fool. Um, but I was around a group of friends and they were like, hey Blair, you know, why don't you just say this to that person and just really, you know, so they know that you mean business. And with everything within me, I, I did. And I called it a guy, uh, something that I probably shouldn't have, but I did, and just due to peer pressure. That was an embattlement inside of me, for sure, for that peer pressure. And then when I recognized that, and I still kind of ponder that scenario back when I was 14, of why did I do that? I don't want to be that, that type of a person. And, um, and what I said wasn't really that bad. It was bad to me but not like bad to other people, but enough for the teachers to go, hey, this isn't like you. What are you doing? Uh, why are you acting out like this? So as I continue to grow, I do. I try to be very careful and, you know, am, am I a part of this because I want to be a part of it? You know, do we hold on to the same beliefs and morals or am I really just trying to fit in and be a part? And I still think you can get along with others that, 
you may not see eye to eye on everything. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't, well, I can't be friends with you because you don't like this movie, or I can't be friends with you because you eat this certain type of food. I can't be, be friends with you because, you know, maybe you don't even believe in, in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I, I'm missing out on an opportunity of being a friend with someone. Right. If I hold my values over them or my morals over them, I'm missing out on a friendship. Because I think we as people can teach each other so much, no matter no matter our backgrounds, no matter our beliefs, no matter how we were raised, we all have something to share and to say. Yeah, absolutely. But not at the sacrifice of our convictions. Right. And not at the sacrifice of our faith, even in Christ. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of where I was going with this. Just on the other side, the flip side of it is, is uh, of course, you're a little bit older than uh 14 years old now. I I mean, maybe just a year or two. Right. And, uh, but, uh, as an adult, as somebody who's been in the workforce for over 20 years, is this something that you still struggle with? Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. It is. As somebody who's recently entered adulthood within the past five years, is it something that, you know, peer pressure of what other people are saying? Is it something that still is a struggle for you? Yes. As a teenager, yeah, that's what most people say peer pressure is, is during your teen years or other stuff like that. Yeah, they try and act as if it, we Only don't deal with when we're teenagers. Yeah, yeah. like it, we don't deal with it when we're adults, exactly. but we totally do. How about you as a preteen? Do you deal with peer pressure? Uh, yeah, all my friends are like, um, they say really dumb things. Like they say like, oh, well, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to be your friend. I'm like, fine then, if you don't want me to be your friend and I'm not going to do it anyways. And then half the time, uh, they do a lot of peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And things don't change in adulthood at all. I mean, here I am almost midlife, uh, midway through my life. And I noticed every day that there's pressures to try and get me to be just like this other person or try and do something to be felt, feel like I'm included with this group of people, but that's not the way the blind man reacts. He doesn't play the game. His response is, sinner, I don't know about that. That's your job. I'm no expert. Here's what I know. And he makes it very simple. I was blind. Now I see. I'm not going to go into some big, long reason of why I believe this way or why I believe Jesus is miraculous or why Jesus is from God. I'm just simply going to say this. I was blind from the time I I can ever remember. I could never see anything ever in my life. And now I have eyesight. That's the, that's the simple fact of the matter. And uh, so am I that pragmatic? Am I that matter of fact in my daily life? Or do I allow outside influences and or influencers to alter my reality? Because when it comes to my faith in Jesus, I need to be this practical. Before Jesus, I was blind. Now Jesus is in my heart and I have eyesight. Before Jesus, I was a sinner. Now that Jesus is with me, he paid the price for my sins. Now I am saved. I, I want to be that pragmatic. I want to be that practical. I want to be that matter of fact. Um, I was blind by people, by idols, by being important, by my ego, by my pride, by my lust, by money, by power. But Jesus opened my eyes and now I see. I was all of these things before, but now I see with the eyes of Christ. What do you guys think about that. What do you think about being influenced or having an influencer in your life to keep you from 
your ethical values or things that, you know, God's raised you to be, uh, specifically as mommy and I have been your guardians, your parents, and we have said, okay, these are the, this is the way God works. And we've seen it happen over and over again. He's proved himself over and over again. And then you're going to get off to college one day, like Addison is, and uh, you're going to have people telling you, oh, don't believe that because your parents told you. Are you going to be able to say, well, I don't believe it because my parents told me. I believe it because I experienced it. Like, what is your reaction in those kinds of moments? The moments when people tell us that we don't need to believe things because we were taught it by our parents. Right. Well, that's lame. Because <laughs> they're doing stuff that their parents told them all the time. I mean, most of those kids can't do make a decision without their parents influencing it at all. And they're telling us that we can't let our parents influence our decisions or what our choices in life. That doesn't make any sense. That's hypocrisy. Sure. Absolutely. Did you have any other thoughts on this? Of Matter-of-factness, uh, telling the truth? It's important to tell the truth. Um, truth hurts. and That's hard for people sometimes, hard. isn't it? They don't like it if you tell the truth and it's seen as something is worse off than they had previously believed or something like that, right? So sometimes in moments of situations of life, you know, you really have to discern from the Holy Spirit what to say mm. because truth does hurt. Yeah. And you could come across to someone really brash, really harsh. So sometimes refraining from saying anything at all sometimes helps in situations, not all situations. And then sometimes when you tell the truth, people are like, well, why are you being so cynical? Yeah. yeah. And I'm Absolutely. like, I'm not being cynical. I'm telling you what will happen. Like, that's the truth. And they're like, well, that's so cynical. Why can't you be more positive? And I'm like, it's not that I'm not being positive. It's just like the truth is this is a negative situation. So it's going to end up negatively and not positively. Right. Right. And, that, and that's exactly what I wanted to go into with our third point, which is they tried to, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, try and re-influence the blind man to go back over everything again. Yeah. So, so far what we've had is the blind man has gone, he's given an account, a testimony of what happened. His parents are asked what happened. They say, ask the boy, ask our son. He is a man. He can give an account himself. They re-ask the young man trying to influence him with spin and now they retry. He gives his answer. I was blind. Now I see. Now they try and re-influence him. Well, tell us again what happened. Can you tell us how it happened? What was it exactly that happened? And they try and use the same questions to try and get a different response out of the blind man. And this is exactly what you're talking about, isn't it, Xavier? Yeah. Because that's exactly what they want to do is they want to try and manipulate things so that, that way they regain control over you so that that way you are no longer the one that is empowered by Christ, but the one that is looking to them for favors, for power, for money, and for all kinds of other things. This happens throughout our walk as Christians. And I know that can be disappointing to hear because we hope, oh, one day I will never have this happening to me ever again. I'll be able to quote unquote, arrive at a position where people will no longer doubt my faith or they will no longer doubt that I'm a Christian. I'm 43 years old and I've not reached that time yet. I still have people try and get me to recount why I gave my heart to Jesus. The moment when I heard God speak to me, not in an audible voice like I'm speaking to you now, but I heard him speak directly to my heart and say to me, follow me today. I was 15 years old. I remember it just like it was yesterday. And I've told that testimony to people before and they'll say, well, could you retell it to me again? 
well, what if it was somebody that was really talking to you? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's not an audible voice. It was an inner voice. And that, well, can you describe that to me? And then they start trying to pick my story apart to try and say, no, God's not real. Jesus didn't really talk to you. That's what people constantly try to do in order to get us to re-examine what's going on, re-examine what is the truth so that that way they can kind of put a little bit of a hook inside of there and destroy our faith. Have you ever found that to be true? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Anything else you want to add? Sometimes it's not even, it, like you may think it's from people that are only don't believe in God, but it can be people that call themselves Christians. Correct trying to tear you down to build themselves up because they think they're such a great Christian. Right. And so I'm a better Christian than you are because I have a better testimony, all this other stuff. So they're going to try and rip you to shreds because they're jealous of your um, your relationship with Christ. Yeah, your walk of faith. Your walk of faith. And what they don't realize is they can have that same walk of faith if only they applied what the scriptures have said mm. and try and keep learning instead of staying stagnant and like, I've arrived. This is the point in time where I'm supposed to be, and Jesus is here with me, and I'm never going to go far past this point, and you can't tell me what to do because I'm at this point, and Jesus told me I'm at this point, even though he didn't, because he always wants us to keep growing. Yeah. Right. And a lot, a lot of our conversations is knowledge, mm. being knowledgeable. So there's a lot of people that are knowledgeable or experts in their field. So when you're acting a certain way or when you're, trying to convey a story, then that's when they nitpick. Well, how do you really feel in this situation? Well, tell me more about what this is about. Yeah. Because they, they, because they're the experts. And instead of looking at God's word and approaching God's word in a, in a way of truly asking the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in the reading of and um, opening your eyes to what the words on the page mean, a knowledgeable person is going to pick it apart and hone in on situations to where they feel like they're the expert in, let's just say Genesis. Well, I'm the expert of Genesis and nobody can tell me that that's truly their creation of God, you know, because that how in the world does the Genesis, you know, the book of Genesis tie in with, you know, Jesus's life and Jesus's death and, um, so, because I'm the expert on this. So, I think sometimes... Because I was there. Right. Oh, wait. No, you weren't. <laughs> right. I think sometimes knowledge, we mm. become too knowledgeable of things. I mean, I even find my own self, oh, I'll just Google it because because <laughs> Google knows, right? I mean... The internet never lies. Internet never lies. <laughs> I'm saying sarcastically, yes, the internet does lie. And yes, Google doesn't always have the answer. I mean, I have to ask Siri, Siri, tell me what date this happened on. And she's like, this is what I found for you. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. No, tell me. I don't want to go and research it and have to read it out. Just tell me. She won't tell me. So I have to do my own <laughs> research. And then I have to decipher, you know, is that true? Is that false? Is that, you know, what is, well, Google says, yeah. um, because I'm knowledgeable of this. Yeah. Um, but I think knowledge can get in our way of conversations that we dis disclude a lot of people. Yeah. Like, like we feel like we're the experts. Yeah. You may have lived and was born here all your life in India, but you know, by golly, you don't know anything. Mm. And that's really rude and crude and that's hurtful and harmful. So like I said, you're, you're, you're missing out on the opportunity of developing. 
relationship with someone. Yeah, and discovering new new things uh, that will enhance your relationship with God right. and enhance your relationship with Christ. Um, the reaction of the religious leaders uh, attempting this re-influencing of the blind man is, is that he instead reasserts the truth again. He doesn't allow them to persuade him uh, to believe their way. Instead, he challenges their, their religious spin. He strengthens his resolve and his faith is built up. And he asks them even, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Is that why you keep asking me where he's at? Yeah. Like, so funny. Uh, Jesus healed me. I was blind. Now I see, oh, are you keep on asking me because you want to go follow him too? Right. Like, is that why you're curious about him? Is that why you want to know more things? And that makes them absolutely furious that he would do that. And that's what we see happen a lot of times in our uh, friendships, relationships, co-worker relationships. Even like you were mentioning earlier, Xavier, about within within the church, sometimes some Christians will be upset that you would assert your faith in Christ over some religious figure or some teaching that was passed on for generations through uh, um, what ended up becoming a tradition, but was never even gospel at all, was never really the truth of what the gospel teaches. And one of the greatest examples of that, in my opinion, is racism or slavery, because that was the attention of what it became in the United States here in India, when people have been enslaved here in India, that is not the intention of what scripture or the Bible has ever mentioned ever, ever, ever. And yet people constantly try and use slavery as a reason to not believe in the Bible. And if we would stand on the truth of what the Bible actually says, we would find that that is just a resolve of people who are trying to deny the power of God so that that way they can continue to empower themselves. The funny thing is, is so I, in my schoolwork, it's a Christian curriculum, and they're really, really a uber <laughs> old Christian stuff. So <laughs> not, not all, I don't agree with all the other stuff like that. And so recently I learned about deism uh-huh. and they were talking about how Benjamin Franklin was a deist and everything like that. And they're like, and deism is a false religion. And I was like, wait a minute, deism isn't even a religion. It's just a name for people trying to know there is a God, but not willing to admit it because they want to empower themselves over everybody else. Right. It's not really a religion because so many people, I mean, there are multiple people that do it and they don't even call themselves deists because you don't have to. That's just the way they believe. They specifically believe maybe there's a God out there, but I don't want to believe in him because I have power and I want power because that's what most people want is power or money and everything like that. They want power over other people. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, we see that happening in the church more and more here in the 21st century is, is that, oh, we, we believe on Jesus. We believe in him, but you need to trust me because I have all of the power. And, and saying we've become, that, we've become deists. Exactly. The blind man reasserts his faith in saying things like this. Jesus obviously is from God because he opens the eyes of the blind. And no man, no sinner could ever do something like that. And if Jesus is not from God, then how can he perform these miracles? He also kind of uh, gives a little reference to how come it's Jesus that's always with the poor and not you guys? How come it's Jesus that's always hanging out with people who need God, but yet you're always hanging out with people who have money, power, and influence? And how come you're not hanging out with people introducing them to who God is? Why isn't it your passion to do these things that Jesus is doing? Through all that, I want us to recognize that the subject through this investigation 
is always centered on one person. And it's not centered on the blind man. It's centered on who? Go ahead. Jesus. Yeah, it's centered on Jesus. It's not centered on Jesus' teachings. They don't say anything about the teachings of Jesus here, do they? Mm-mm. They don't say, oh, well, we keep hearing Jesus say this one word over and over and over again. So if we make that our mantra, then that can be a way that we worship God. That's not what's discussed. They don't talk about uh, methodology of how Jesus is working or how the blind man even really came to sight. They aren't looking at the methodology. They aren't looking at a specific prayer that Jesus said so that that way they can recite these prayers over and over again. They aren't looking at specific meditations or ideas. They're not looking at the way Jesus exercises or the way he breathes. They're just looking at Jesus. They're just doing an investigation of Jesus. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I know I'll say it again in the future. Jesus is the way. He is life. Jesus provides life. He is the truth. Jesus is truth. He is the healer. Jesus brings ultimate healing. So by placing your life in Jesus, he is the way. It's not a prayer. It's not a mantra. It's not a way you breathe. It's not a way you exercise or you don't exercise or a food you eat. That's not what gets us eternal life in heaven. That's not what gets us closer to God. The way we get closer to God is simply through Jesus. Fifth comes the attack. Okay, we tried. We, we, we invited you in here for an investigation. We talked to your parents. You, uh, we tried to influence you to think the same way we do. You didn't do that. We tried to re-influence you. You reasserted yourself for the truth. And so then they attack. They bring an attack first against the man. And the religious leaders then turn on him. Instead of welcoming him in as they were doing just a few minutes ago, all of a sudden they hate him. Get out of here, you worthless sinner, is basically what they say there in verse 34. Let's, let's read verse 34 and verse 35. Aisha, will you read that? They answer and said unto him, Those who are together born in sins, and thus do teach us, and they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? The fact is that in our lives as Christians, we are often reflective of what happens with this blind man. And we have people that are trying to get us included, give them power, give them authority over our lives. And when we continue to deny it, they all of a sudden get upset. And when we are then turning as a moment of what we feel like could be complete and utter loneliness, because isn't that what the guy, I mean, he's kicked out of there. There's nobody around. And all of a sudden, who appears? Who comes? Jesus. Jesus shows up. And Jesus is there. And Jesus says, hey, do you believe on the Son of Man? And we're going to talk more about what that, uh, this pa- passage of Scripture next week. But um, that's exactly what Jesus does. He Notice he wasn't there when the man is giving his testimony in person. Jesus isn't physically in the room with the man when he has to reassert the truth or assert his faith or give a testimony about Jesus. Jesus isn't in the physical room with the man, but does that mean that Jesus left him all alone? No. 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 So why do we so often on this earth feel like we're all alone? He's right here with us. Even when we're being attacked, he's right here with us. We can wake up with Christ gifting us a day. We go to work, we go to school, and people challenge us in our faith. 
They make us ultimatums so that that way we can join their quote unquote clubs. Then work stresses us out. Our schoolwork is a lot. Our tests and our exams are a lot. The demand is high. And so we have our face then with a moment of compromise. Do we trust in Christ and our convictions and our ethics or, and reassert our convictions and place our challenges back on the challenger? Or do we allow their challenges to crumble us, leaving us feeling all alone and that we can only accept them and their way of doing things, even though we know it's not what Scripture, what the Bible tells us, it's not what Jesus even would tell us. And we feel like we're all alone, and yet Jesus comes and he finds us. It's not us who are looking for him. It is he who is looking for us. Let's recognize that the central figure of our lives, the one actively working in us and for us to bring ultimate glory to God our Father is Jesus. Is there anything uh, else that you recognize in this passage of Scripture? I would only say that being blind and the performance of the miracle of this man being able to be able to see. I think the beauty of the story is his, his heart was already ready to see. Mm. Like he already knew. He believed. I mean, even if he wasn't fully physically healed, he knew internally he was already healed mm. because his his heart was ready. His heart was prepared um, to know who Christ is and to discover him physically, spiritually, and mentally. So, a lot of times in life, we can be so blinded to things of this world that we accept them in. Well, so-and-so is doing that. Well, so-and-so is doing that, as Rory said. Well, you know, maybe I'm following this group of Pharisees, so to say, because because I can. And, uh, and instead of seeing Christ Jesus for who Christ Jesus is, continuing to follow man and thinking man has all the answers because they're so knowledgeable. May those scales fall off of my eyes, so to say, and my heart be softened to the things of the Lord. Yeah. And not so as a matter of fact, well, if it wasn't in a picture, it didn't really happen. If this person wasn't there, then it didn't really happen. If I, if I keep comparing my life with someone else, or if I because there's always going to be somebody greater. There's always going to be somebody better. But the one who has remained consistent time and time again has been Christ Jesus. Yeah. And Xavier? Well, whenever you stand true to convictions, don't, don't let other people who we trust and put our trust in other human beings. So if you're speaking out to a leader or something like that, and you're, after you've said something, you talk to someone you look up to, and they're like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Don't let that discourage you because that's just where they are in their faith at that point in time. And don't be discouraged at that point in time. Trust in your convictions. And if that leader was actually right, then I would make, like, be willing to have, let it be explained to you. Have a discussion. Have a discussion that is the right way to figure things out together and don't let it become a blame game or anything like that and get blown out of proportion. Just try your best to be civilized. Yeah. 
let it go through. Well, not letting conflict rise yeah. to a point of anger in a, in a sinful way exactly. or a negative connotation. Yeah. Absolutely. Just trust God's got your back. And yes. That, and that's what happens when you speak the truth. Yeah. I mean, we see the blind man speaking the truth. I was blind, but now I see. Yeah. It's just during, that simple. During the end, and then the, the Pharisees had the right at that moment. I mean, they could kill him. They could dismiss him. I mean, he didn't know what the consequences would be for, for even admitting that. Yeah. But may we speak the truth. Yeah. May we speak the truth. And know, and know the truth. Well, let's close in prayer, Mallory. Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day, and that we will all be safe, and that everybody is having a great day. And Jesus, we pray for you. Amen. Amen.